This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. All right, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. As you're turning there, I want you to say this. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I lift up these few moments that we have together, and I pray that your anointing, God, would continue to flow powerfully among us, Father. Help us to open up our hearts. Help us to receive the engrafted word with meekness, because I believe that it's the word that gets in us and sticks to us that has the ability to change us. Help us to engage our minds so that our minds can be renewed, and our thinking can be elevated to a higher level so that we can live at a higher level. Father, I pray that you would bless me, anoint my mouth, my tongue, my lips, make me an oracle, allow me the privilege to stand in Christ and to communicate your heart, your thoughts in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that, somebody shout, Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning from uh, this thought right here, five steps to building a blessed house. Five steps to building a great house. Are you ready to get into the Word? Genesis chapter 1, if you're there, say, I got it. Starting uh, verse 28, the only verse we're going to read, it says, And God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Five Five steps to building a great house. Five things. This is one of the first things that God said to people, was to be fruitful. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Somebody say, be fruitful. One of the first things that God said was, be fruitful. So in being fruitful, it means that you have to also know what isn't fruitful. Because he said to be fruitful, then that implies don't be wasting your time doing things that aren't fruitful. And as I was preparing this and thinking about this, and I realized that for most of us, many of us, we have a tendency to take on things in our life, to get involved in things, to do things that really aren't productive, they really aren't fruitful. And so God said, I want you to be fruitful. He said, he said, in Genesis 1.28, it says, And he blessed them and told them. So he gave them a blessing, and he told them what this blessing was for. I'm going to bless you, but here's what I want you to do. I'm going to bless you, but I'm also giving you a commandment. This blessing comes with instruction. This blessing comes with responsibility. He said, I'm going to bless you, but you got to do these things with this blessing. This blessing is for these five things. This blessing is for you to be fruitful. So God has blessed you to be fruitful, but he isn't blessing you to do things that aren't fruitful. If you're wasting your time, if you're involved in things that aren't fruitful, he commands us, to be good stewards. That's what fruitful is. He's saying, I command you to be a good steward. To be a good steward with your time. To be fruitful with your time. He commands us to be fruitful with our families, with our talent, with our resources. We're commanded to be fruitful with those things. 
our time, our talent, our resources. Say that with me. Say time, talent, resources. Touch the person next to you and say, you got some of those. Time, talent, resources. We're called to be fruitful. Called to use our lives to bring fruit. If you remember the story where Jesus was with his disciples and there was a fig tree that they went to and the fig tree didn't have any fruit on it and Jesus cursed the fig tree. You got to start cursing the things that don't bring any fruit into your life. You, you got to start cutting some stuff out that didn't bring in fruit into your life. Jesus cursed the thing that didn't bring fruit. You need to curse the things that aren't bringing fruit. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your talent? What are you doing with your resources that aren't producing fruit? Identify the things that aren't producing fruit. Curse those things. Get those things out of your life. Remove those things. For some of you, you've got you to, you to break away from some relationships because you're in some relationships that aren't fruitful. You're caught up in some relationships that are actually a waste of your time, your talent, in your relationships. And so you've got to disconnect from those people that you're connected to. Quit wasting your time on things that aren't working. Do you hear what I said? Quit wasting your time on things that aren't working. If it's not working, quit wasting your time on it. Some people waste their entire life on things that aren't working. If the horse is dead, get off of it. It isn't moving. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to take you anywhere. Get off that thing. Somebody shout, get off of it. Be fruitful, you have to understand that God has a, has a seed on the inside of you. Because for anything to be fruitful, there has to first be a seed. For there to be an apple, there had to be a seed before there was an apple. For there to be an orange, there first had to be a seed before there was an orange. Every one of you have a seed on the inside of you. Oftentimes we're praying for certain things. We're praying for fruitfulness. We're praying for blessing. We're praying for the outcome. We pray for the end result. But oftentimes when we ask God for a blessing, we don't expect God to give us a seed. We say, God, we need you to bless us, and God hands you a seed. You're a seed. Jesus said, you are the seeds sown into the earth. You're seeds of the kingdom. The word is a seed, but you also are a seed. So God gives you something in seed form. And God says, what are you going to do with the seed that I give you? See, it's the process that the seed goes through to becoming fruitful that you have to understand. It's very significant and important to the development of who you are so that when you get into that place of being fruitful, you have what it takes to handle the blessing. Because the blessing can either, the blessing can either enhance your life, you'll do something good with it, or the blessing can destroy your life. 
You can give two people the same blessing and it destroy one person and the other person will thrive with it. Same blessing. Same blessing. It'll curse one and bless another one. Same blessing. Same blessing. You'll take somebody higher and also take somebody else down. Same blessing. So God doesn't give you something necessarily in its completed form. God gives you a seed. This church is a seed. God says you want a great church? Wouldn't it be nice if God just gave us a perfect building with everything? Had carpet, had padded chairs, had air conditioning before we came in, had ample parking, more than enough parking. Everything was right. Everything was perfect. Wouldn't it be nice if everything was perfect when God gave it to us? Talk to me, somebody. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? God gives it to you in seed form. How many of you guys married up in here? Let me see your hands. See, when you got married, you thought you were getting the complete package, but after you got married, you realized it's in seed form. See, you thought you saw the end result, and God let you get into this thing and discover what you saw wasn't what you got. Come on, you don't have to be real. I've been married for over 30 years. I'm going I'm to talk to you about something right now. God gives it to you in seed form. You've got to work that thing. You've got to work your family. You've got to work that relationship. Because the way you get it isn't the way God wants to leave it. I'm going to say it again. The way you receive it isn't the way God wants you to leave it. You've got you to turn that thing from a seed into fruitfulness. This church, it's a seed. God has given us this church. He didn't just give this church to me. He didn't just give this church to Pastor Sean and Crystal Gale. He gave this church to us. It's not just their responsibility or my responsibility to take the seed of this thing and work it into fruitfulness. We're the leaders that God has given us this responsibility to steward this thing, but we all have a responsibility to work this thing. To work this seed. This is a seed. And some of you look around this room right now and you think, well, the room's full right now. But you know, in comparison to the need of Boa Heights, of the Arts District, of downtown L.A., of South Central, compared to the need, this church is super tiny. God has planted the church as a seed to meet a need. So the seed has to be worked until it becomes fruitful in meeting the need. That's why it's so important that you uh, not just come and take, but you join the dream team. That you put your hands to this thing. That you work this thing. Everybody's got something they're good at. you got something you're good at. Everybody comes into this world with a natural talent. Touch the person next to you and say, you got something. I hope you discover your natural talent. You know, some people never discover their natural talent. Some people live their whole life, waste their whole life, playing to their, playing to their weaknesses and never playing to their strengths. And just because you're not good at something the first time you tried it doesn't mean you'll never be good at it. First time I ever preached, I wasn't that good. 
And it's still debatable whether I'm getting there or not. But I'm working this thing. I'm working this thing. I'm working this thing. We all have a, a natural talent. Christian Soy, skateboarder, natural talent. But you don't become the best in the world just because you have a natural talent. You have to work your talent. His dad invested in the seed. His dad invested in the talent. His dad put him in an environment where the, he could develop his natural talent. And as a result of playing to his strength, he became the best in the world for a long time. Jennifer Maine has a natural talent as an artist. She's an artist. She has a talent. You can look at her stuff. It's amazing. You could put me in front of the same thing that she has. You can give me the same raw material, but the end result is going to be different. Somebody's going to want her thing. They're not going to want mine. There, there's, it's, a, it's something you got to develop. you. But here's how you know what your natural talent is. One of the ways you know what your natural talent is is because when you give yourself to your strength, it energizes you. When you play to your weaknesses, it drains you. For some people, for some people, doing certain things, when they, when they put their hands to it, it just lights a fire on the inside of them. Like for me, I, I enjoy straightening up chairs in a church. I enjoy making sure the details of the building and the room and the things like that are what they need to be for the, so that it can create an experience for people. When they, I, I get energized by that. Other people, you could ask them to do that. They get through with it, and they, they just want to go home and pass out somewhere. Certain things will energize you. What energizes you? What energizes you? What lights a fire on the inside of you? When, you? when you start doing it, even if physically you get exhausted from doing it over a long period of time, it still energizes you. When we first started the, the, this, this campus, the L.A. location, we started in the Alexandria Hotel on Sunday nights, and at one point we were doing four services every Sunday. We would do three in L.A. and then one in, uh, excuse me, three in Orange County and one here in downtown. And by the time I would get through, because I would do the very first ones, by the time I would get through, I would be dead dog tired. I'm southern, so it's called dead dog tired from Alabama. In Alabama, that's not really tired. But when I would walk back to my car, even though physically I would be tired, my eyes would be bloodshot, I would, I would have this sense of satisfaction. I was energized in my spirit. I was energized in my emotions. I was energized in my thoughts. I was energized. Physically, I was tired. But spiritually, I was on fire. The more I did it, the more on fire I got. Because I was developing, I was working the seed that God put on the inside of me. I was working the seed that God gave us as a church. I talk to Pastor Sean a lot on Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings, and, and I can hear it in his voice. He's always very optimistic. When I, when I ask him, how did L.A. go today? He's always optimistic. He tells me about all of the good things that happened. He never tells me about any bad things. 
But I've been doing this long enough to know that not every time, everything is always perfect. But he always, because he sounds energized, he's fired up when he describes it. He says, we're going to another level. Because he's working this thing. He's called to this thing. He plays to his strength that energizes him. I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to write three things down that you're good at. Three things. Three things that you're good at. I'm good at administrative, administrative stuff. I've got the gift of administration. Write it down. What are you good at? Are you good at cooking? Write down. I'm good at cooking. What are you good at? I'm good at loving on people. I'm, I'm good at helping people. I'm good at benevolence. I'm good at meeting the need. Some people, they get fired up when they go out and help meet a practical need that somebody has. Lights a fire on the inside of them. Write it down. When you join the dream team, we want to connect you to the area that you're gifted at. But not only does God want to, uh, not only did God give you my voice, excuse me, not only has God given you a natural gifting, but God also wants to put a super on your natural. A super on your natural. God wants to put an anointing on your natural. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. God wants to give you supernatural power by the Holy Spirit. He wants to put it on your natural. When you have the power of the Holy Spirit on your natural gifting, there is a, there is a multiplication that takes place. And that leads me to my next point. Number two. Number two. Is multiplication. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Somebody shout, multiply. What he's saying is, take what you have been given and teach it to others. The thing that I've taught you, teach it to other people. Reproduce. Multiply means to reproduce yourself. Reproduce yourself. This is what God said. I am blessing you to reproduce yourself. Who's following you? Is anybody following you? Paul told Timothy, follow me. Follow me. Are you afraid to tell people to follow you? Do you feel condemned and ashamed of your past? Are you allowing your past to rob you of what the blessing is on you for? Well, nobody can follow me. My life isn't what it needs to be. Because of the mistakes I've made in the past, there's no way I would ever tell somebody to follow me. You know, when, when God saved me, I believe that God saved me for one primary reason. Because you know the Bible says he takes the foolishness of this world to confound the wise. He takes the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty. When God saved me, I didn't grow up in the church world. I wasn't a, I wasn't a church person. My mom was a hippie. My mother was 15 years old when I was born. She was, she was a teenager. My mom was a teenager. I, my, my parents did get married, but I never had a relationship with my dad. My, my parents got divorced when I was two, and I, even though they were married for the first few years of my life, they weren't together the majority of that time. I never had a relationship with my dad. I met my dad later on in life, but I, I never had a relationship with my dad. I was raised by a teenager. That was my mom. My mom was a hippie. 
I grew up in that culture. I grew up watching people smoke weed. I grew up watching people party. I grew up probably like one step away from a, from a, from a, uh, uh, is it called a commune? Is that what it's called? One step away from, from that type of environment. I probably grew up one step away from that. That was, that was my experience in growing up. Who would have ever thought that God could have taken somebody like me? First time I ever remember getting high. Now, this is shocking to some people, but we're, we are in Ball Heights. And, um, first time I ever got high, I was somewhere around the age of five years old. It, by the time I was 12, I was carrying a bag of dope on me just about every, every day. That, it wasn't unusual for me to have a bag of weed on me at any, any given point at 12 years old. It's normal, getting high. Middle school, I was selling joints and nickel bags at the park that was about a block away from the school. If you, wanted, if you wanted to get high, you met me at the pavilion at the park. And I had, my, I had my weed up in the chimney of the fireplace. It was built onto the pavilion. I'd crawl up in the fireplace, get it out, and sell you a joint or a nickel bag. Big time. <laughs> But who would have ever thought that God could have taken somebody like me, who ended up becoming a junkie, uh, really a, a major drug addict, strung out to cocaine for like 12 years, trying to change my life, trying to desperately change my life. Who would have ever thought that God could have taken somebody like me and made me into what I am today? There's nothing really about my present that reflects my past. But there came a point where I had to be willing to partner with God to step away from my past so that I could move into my purpose. My purpose didn't come into play once I finally gave my life to Jesus. My purpose was in me the entire time, even before I knew Jesus. Because I came into this world on a divine assignment, but this world it was trying to destroy my life before I ever had an opportunity to tap in to my divine assignment. And there came a point where I had to refuse to allow my past to control my future. And I had to be willing to step away from the shame of the wrong that I did. We've all made mistakes. Everybody's made mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Touch the person next to you. Say, not even you. See, I'm starting fights up in here right now. <laughs> all the dating people, they didn't comply. They're like, they may be not perfect, but girl, you perfect. <laughs> but you can't allow the shame of your past to stop you from becoming who God's called you to be. Multiply. Somebody shout, multiply. Multiply means I've got to work this thing and, and reproduce myself. That's what this church is, getting, getting involved, joining the dream team, becoming a part is one of the ways that you can multiply. You know, when Elijah went and found Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. You, you can see this pattern all throughout Scripture. Elijah and Elisha, Moses and Joshua, Paul and Timothy. There was this, there was this multiplying. There was this reproducing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take who I am, and I'm going to pour it back in to somebody else. Multiply. Follow me. Somebody shout, follow me. Follow me. And so when, here, here's, a, here's a thought I want to share with you because 
Right now, there's this violent anti-church spirit where people say, I don't need church, all I need is Jesus. And it's demonic, it's not from God. People say that Jesus is all I need over my life. Listen to me, I want you to listen to me. Because that is a lie that has been manufactured from the pit of hell to rob you of what God wants to give to you. And I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible. Somebody shout, bring it on. I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible. You love the Word of God? So I'm going to prove it to you because, because, because Joshua would have, would have never been the great leader that he was had he not had Moses. Timothy would have never been who he became had he not had Paul. You will never become who God wants you to be without having a church and somebody that connect, you're connected to his headship. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Somebody shout, bring it on, preacher. Elisha would have never became who he became had he not had an Elijah. When God spoke to Elijah and said, go, go get Elisha, Elijah took his mantle, symbolically representing the anointing that was on his life, the mantle that was on his life. He took it and he threw it on Elisha. Elisha was plowing in the field. He was working. Somebody shout, he was working. It's always a lot easier to take somebody who's already doing something and get them to do the right thing than it is to take somebody who's not doing nothing and trying to get them to do the right thing. Single ladies, if he ain't doing nothing, don't think just because you connect to him, it's going to motivate him to start doing something. You tell that dude, if you're interested in me, go do something. Then come back and talk to me. Half the room said amen. I got some guys, man, they just looked at me and just, you punk. <laughs> when, when the mantle came up on, when the mantle came up on Elisha, it was an invitation. It was an experience. He had an experience with the anointing. It was an invitation into his future. God allowed him to touch it. God allowed him to have this, this experiential experience with, with the anointing, with his presence, with his power. It was an invitation to his future. Elisha, Elisha said to Elijah one time, he said, he said, I want a double portion of what you got. You know, you, know what, you know what Elijah said to Elisha when he said, I want a double portion of what you got? He said, you asked for a hard thing. Because you know what I've discovered? Oftentimes we want the end result, we just don't want the process. And one of the things that I've noticed in this, this violent anti-church spirit is it? Is it? It's it's manipulating people to forsake relationship with headship for friendship. People are choosing friendship over headship, and you know the challenge with that. You know, you know the 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 downfall of that is it when you forsake headship for friendship. Your friends only know what you know, so they can't give you anything that you don't already got. Headship knows something that friendship 
doesn't know. Headship can give you something that friendship can never give you. Elijah, Elijah said, you've asked for a hard thing. You've asked for something that's hard. You want a double portion of what I got? Here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, if you're still here. See, that's a whole other thing. We could preach all we could we could preach all day long about that right there. That could turn into a series if you're still here. You really want what you really want what you say you want if you're still here. If you, what he was really saying was, if you're willing to pay the price. For you to become everything that God has put on the inside of you as a seed, for you to reproduce yourself, for you to multiply, it will cost you everything. For you to really maximize your potential, it's going to cost you everything. Jesus said, for you to really have the life that I've come to give you, he said, first you've got to die. He said, you really want to live? He said, lose your life and you'll get my life. You really want to discover who you're capable of becoming? Lay down your life and pick up my life. Die to yourself and you'll find life in the Spirit. So Elisha was there when Elijah was taken. And as a result of Elisha being there, there was a moment, there was a moment in the future that wasn't connected to a calendar, it was connected to an experience. It was connected to a place of maturity. It was connected to a journey. It was connected to a process. It was in walking out the process that got him to a place that he was mature enough for God to say, now I can take Elijah so that Elisha can step into the forefront of what he's really able to be. For you to become everything that you're capable of becoming, you've got to understand the importance of connecting to headship. Are you getting what I'm saying? Third thing I want to give you. Third thing he said. Number one, he said you've got to be fruitful. Number two, he said you've got to multiply. Number three, he said to replenish. Say replenish. Replenish means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill something back up. If I empty something out, I'm going to fill it back up. I'm going to replenish it. I'm going to supply. I'm going to put back into what has been taken out of. Are you putting back into the very thing that's feeding you? The dream team, they're putting into what's feeding them. Spiritually, the thing that's feeding them, they're pouring back into it. That's why, we, that's why we're, one of the reasons, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons the Bible says we're to be tithers is because he said that you're putting back into the place where meat comes from. So he said in Malachi. You know, there's a difference. There are different levels of what God will feed you. There's the milk of the Word, there's the bread of the Word, and then there's the meat of the Word. The meat of the word is always symbolic for deeper revelation. Milk, milk is what you give newborns. Milk is what you give somebody who's younger. But there comes a place, there comes a, see, see what, maybe, depending on how you grew up, determined your exposure. You know, whether they, 
whether they just uh, gave you milk up until a certain point, transitioned you into like baby food, or if they took, or if they took things like some, some fat off of a piece of meat and put it in a piece of cloth, stuck it in your mouth. How many, how many ever had that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Wrapped it in a piece of cloth, stuck it in. Have you ever seen a baby that is sucked on fat for the first time? You let them suck that fat off that steak? I I realize we're in vegan community. I'm from the South. I love vegans. I love vegans. Because it just means there's more meat for me. But it means to put back into when you when you when you invest. There's something about there's something about supplying and replenishing the place that you eat from that affects what God feeds you. The revelation. I said this a few moments ago when we were ordaining the deacons. Your life will never r- rise higher above the level of your revelation. What do I mean by revelation? I'm talking about information that becomes revelation. See, revelation isn't God making something appear that wasn't there. It's like, where'd that come from? God just made it show up. Revelation was always there. You just couldn't see it. It's exposure, God. When you, when you give back into the place that gives to you, it somehow lifts a veil so you get something other people in the same environment don't get. Some people will walk out of here today saying, man, I got revelation. I understand those five points, those five principles. I've been blessed by God. I've been graced by God. I've been anointed by God to build my life, to build my house, to build the church, to build this world, to advance the kingdom. I got this. I got the mandate. I got the commandment. I got the direction. And other people are going to walk out of here. Well, I didn't get much out there today. It's all in how you position yourself. Because takers, takers never receive what givers receive. And there's nothing wrong with being in a place to where you need, but there comes a point where you got to grow up and say, not only am I going to receive, but also I'm going to replenish from the place I'm receiving. Join the dream team. Another thought I have is some of you are afraid of your past. You're afraid to even act like you have a past. And maybe God brought you out of the past that he brought you out of. Let me say it like this. Maybe God allowed you to go through what you went through because he knew that he was going to take you out of what you went through Because he wants you to go back and give to what he brought you through. Don't act like you're always perfect. Don't look down at your nose at other people that are having problems knowing that you've had some problems. Maybe the reason God let you have those problems was when, so that when you saw other people having a problem, you could give back to what he brought you out of. Replenish. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. 
told you it was a two-hour message, but I'm trying to cut it down to an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> Number four, he said subdue. Somebody shout subdue. Subdue means to conquer everything God's given you. He intends on you managing it. Subdue means to manage. Some of you are asking God for more, but you're not managing what you presently have. How would God give you more when you're not managing what you have? You don't take good care of the car you got, why would He want to give you a better one? Don't take care of the place you're living now, why would He want to give you a better one? Don't take care of the husband you have now, so why would he want to turn him into a better one? You don't take care of the good, the good wife you have now, then why would he want to make her a better one? I didn't get one amen. Not one amen. That's okay. It's all right. I can amen myself. I know when I'm preaching good. <laughs> subdue it. Somebody shout, subdue it. Meaning you got, you got to manage, manage your world better. Some people are like, God, I need some more money. He's like, no, you need to first learn how to manage the money you presently have. Because if you can't manage what you got, you can't manage more. So he's like, well, my problem is I need more money. And more money might be good, but more money's not good if you don't know how to manage what you got. Because I can promise you this, if you don't know how to manage what you have, you will not know how to manage more. More doesn't somehow make you a better manager. More, all it'll do is expose the fact that you're not a good manager on a higher level. Because all more does is reveal who you are. So you've got to learn to manage everything God's given you. And in learning to manage everything God has given you, that means you have to know when to say, I don't need any more right now because I'm having a hard time managing what I have right now. The reason some people are frustrated with you and the reason that you're frustrated is because you've taken on more than you can manage. You've said yes to too many things, and as a result of saying yes to too many things, you're not managing the things that you've said yes to, and therefore, people are frustrated with you because you're not doing what you said yes to. That's why God said in the book of James, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Know when to say, I'm working on managing what I got, so I can't say yes to that right now. Got to learn to be faithful in a little. And he'll make you ruler over mud. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is some good stuff. I'm helping somebody up in here today. Number five is dominion. And I'm ending this thing. Right here, I'm ending this thing. Somebody shout, we're coming in for the landing. See, I've turned this into a 50-minute message. Not even 50. I think I'm at 33 minutes right now. Dominion. Somebody shout dominion. Dominion means authority. It means authority. Because one of the things that I've discovered, God will not bless chaos. The Bible says, let everything be done decently and in order. Put things in order. Everything. See, when sin entered in, everything got out of order. When everything got out of order, the blessing was removed. 
And it wasn't until order began to be restored that the blessing began to be restored. You see it all throughout the Bible. God raises up people to put things in order. God won't bless chaos. God won't bless confusion. Because the Bible says that confusion is a breeding ground for every evil thing. Confusion is where the devil works. Confusion, confusion will rob you of confidence. Because when you're confused, you can't move with confidence. Because there's an uncertainty about confusion. Confusion breeds uncertainty. I'm not certain if I should do this. I'm not sure, certain if I should give myself to this. I'm not certain I should go this way. Because there's confusion. You don't know. You don't know to the level that you should apply yourself because there's confusion. The enemy worked in confusion. That's why the enemy often tries to create confusion. He'll try to create confusion, whether it's in marriage, whether it's on the workforce, whether it's in our nation, whether it's in a church. He works to bring confusion. His number one way to try to bring confusion is through accusations. Because his, his nature is the accuser. Somebody is never more like the devil than they are than when they're constantly bringing accusations against people. That's why Jesus looked at people at times and said, you are of your father the devil because you're acting just like the devil. When you're unjustly bringing accusations against people, talking about people, you're not operating in the spirit of Christ. You're operating in, a, in, a, in the spirit that comes from the devil. Can you handle this? This is a good thing. He says, I've given you dominion. He says, I bless you to have dominion. Dominion means I've given you authority to set things in order. Don't just let the devil run you over. Don't let the devil just move into your house, move into the church, take over the neighborhood. He's given you authority. Somebody shout, I got authority. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, behold, I give unto you authority. Tread on serpents and scorpions and over all manner of evil. I've given you authority over the powers of darkness. Matthew 18, 18. He says, <coughs> excuse me. He says, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. I've given you authority. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I read how God told Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I'll give to you. The last two years prior to coming to Christ, I was going into the housing project to buy my dope. Everybody knew me in those housing projects. And so when I gave my life to Jesus, I wanted to go tell everybody back in that housing project about what Jesus had done in my life. I got me some wooden speakers. I made some wooden speakers. I went to Radio Shack. Y'all remember Radio Shack? That's a whole other message I could, I could teach you right now about how to learn to keep up with the seasons. <laughs> or you can, become an, you can become part of history and not part of future. It's a whole other thing. But I went to Radio Shack and I bought an amp and I put an adapter on it that plugged into a cigarette lighter. Got me, because back then, it was before cigarettes weren't looked down. It's, you know, that's a whole other They called them cigarettes. They call them cigarette, they call them car chargers now, but, or cell phone chargers, or whatever y'all call them. 
We called them cigarette lighters. Pops, did y'all call them cigarette lighters in your day? We called them cigarette lighters in my day. Yeah. So I plugged plug that amp in, into the thing, and then um, and I'd go down there in the housing project, and, and I took the microphone, and all I knew how to say was, hey. So I screamed as loud as I could in the thing, hey! I said, you know me. I said, Jesus is coming to my life. He's changed me. I used to come down here and buy dope, and everybody freaked out. They were trying to figure out if this was a, I got busted and I'm on some new type of undercover surveillance thing. I'm fronting like a, a preacher down here. But you know, I remember reading in, in, in Joshua chapter 1 where he says, I'll, everywhere that solely foot will tread, I will give to you. Meaning I've given you authority to take territory. And I started walking through that 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 housing project apartment complex. And I'd walk around loving on people, talking to people, telling them about Jesus. And I'd claim every place that the sole of my foot would tread. I started taking people just like y'all did just recently when y'all went out and gave invitations out and invited people to come today. And maybe you're here because somebody invited you like that. And I started doing that. And within a short period of time, all of a sudden the crime in that housing project started to go down. People used to sit in car seats. They'd take the back seats of cars out and sit them in the yards of these housing projects. And they would sit there. Somebody's refrigerator would break down. They'd just throw it out the apartment door. It'd be laying out there. And somebody came and picked it up and took it away. All of a sudden, all that stuff started cleaning up. All of a sudden, the crime went down. Nobody was selling dope there any longer. Until there was nobody else left to preach to. Because it had all gotten off the streets in that housing project. God give you authority. If God will use me to do something like that in some housing projects, think what he will use you to do. He's given you dominion. He says, I bless you with dominion. I bless you with authority. You don't have to be afraid of the, of the times. You don't have to be afraid of the signs of times. But it first has to start with you taking authority over your own life. If you can't take authority over your own life, you can't take authority over the neighborhood. You got to learn to kick the devil out to break the curse off your own life. And then you can help somebody else with that same authority. You got to tell the devil, you, you have no right in my life. You have no right in my family. You have no authority. I take dominion over you. I take authority over you. I drive you out in the name of Jesus. Out of my life. Out of my world. Out of my family. Out of my kids. Out of my finances. Out. Out. Somebody shout out. Got to take dominion. He says, I bless you to take dominion. He put this church here and says, I bless this church. It's a seed. Now you've got to use this seed and turn it into something that's advancing, that's taking dominion, that's taking the neighborhood, that's taking over Bull Heights, that's restoring the order where peace and love and righteousness is flowing down the streets. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Five things. Five things God said. Five steps. Five steps. Five steps. Somebody shout five. five. You know five's the number of grace. God says, I'm going to bless you with a grace blessing. 
And this grace blessing is going to empower you to do five things. Five things. You're going to be fruitful. Don't get stuck where you are. Don't get stuck where you are because where you are and where God wants to leave you. To be fruitful means i got to get out of where I am. I can't stay where I am. Because to be fruitful means i got to add something. I, that's number two. Multiply. Somebody shout multiply. multiply. And then number three, replenish. Not only am I going to feed the thing that feeds me. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? Feed what feeds me. And then also I'm going I'm to give back to where I came from. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replenish where I came from. I came through it so I could give back to it. So number one was be fruitful. Number two, what was number two? Multiply. Number three, number three is what? What's number four? Subdue. What's number five? Dominion. Somebody shout, I got authority. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.